Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State football podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh as we make the trek from Boone Pickens Stadium over to our car. And Jacob, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with uh, with this one. So much to try to get to. Um, you know, I, I know we probably need to talk a lot about Spencer Sanders' toughness. However, I got a hangnail that is really killing me. And I had to, I, like, every time I type the space bar, like, it hangs on there. <laughs> I mean, I was, I'm just saying I was playing through pain, too. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, I appreciate the gritty effort on your part tonight. <laughs> uh, listen, gritty is, uh, is the best place to start because both sides of the ball, incredible second-half performances. The defense, they give up nine, or five scores in nine first-half possessions. Shut it down. They give up just a field goal in the second half. The offense was just all over the place in the first half. Uh, you know, they were scoring some. They were making some mistakes. Uh, but, uh, but really settled in, 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 the, in the second half. I guess, uh, I guess what I'm getting to, Jacob, is what's your, what's your big takeaway as we, uh, as we try to wrap our heads around what exactly happened here at Boone Pickens Stadium on homecoming tonight? Man, I think uh, – I don't know. Um, I'm a little, this game was so crazy in so many ways. Like you said, the defense and prettiness of Spencer Sanders, um, the special teams play was not good for OSU. Uh, they really struggled defensively that first half. Um, but I think, I think it all comes back to, to how Spencer Sanders responded to everything and led this team and the grittiness he showed. Um, he's not a hundred percent. It's clear when you watch him throw, even Mike, said that after the game. Um, So I think his ability to play through pain, his ability to do what he's done and lead this team, and they fully buy into Spencer and what he brings to the table, um, can overcome a lot of deficiencies because his ability to go and get nine yards on a big play and and things like that just makes such a huge difference to this team. Right. He had that that 16-yard run on a third and nine there on what turned out to be the game-tying touchdown drive in the, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, he's, he, he was 9 of 14 passing in the, in the fourth quarter through 57 passes, career-high 57 passes on a bum shoulder. Uh, I mean, the, the toughness that this dude is playing with right now, and, I mean, there's been lots of jokes made about his comment from, from two weeks ago after the Texas Tech game. You know, we're sitting there, and, and Mike Gunny's still answering questions, and, one about Spencer and uh, all the contact that he's taking comes up and, and, and he drops his, his tough MF or line. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been kind of, kind of played on, but man, it's, it's been really impressive to watch what he has put himself through in the way that he has, you know, he gave this t- team a chance to win at TCU. Things didn't go their way. And then he pulls him out of a 14-point hole tonight. And obviously, the defense deserves a lot of credit, too. I'm not saying this was all Spencer. But just the uh, the guts that he's playing with right now and, and fighting through pain and doing what he's doing is incredibly impressive. Yeah, and I think we got to point out, too, the ability for OSU to overcome all the injuries they had tonight, too. Not just Spencer playing through it. Right, right. They were so beat up tonight. And- and, and they got beat up more as the game went on. It was right. We hadn't seen injuries hit OSU this hard in a long time. Um, you know, I guess beginning of last season, all the receivers were hurt, but this it wasn't spreading to other positions. That was what kept them alive. 
was was just mainly mainly contained to that one room. This is spreading throughout the team, and it's starting to be a big concern when you you know your center is out again in the second straight game. And Preston Wilson, um, there was a couple snap things maybe here and there. Um, you're short of safety now, maybe two with Jason Taylor getting hurt at the end of the game. Um, you know, you're short receivers again. Um, there's all this stuff that is just – it's like, man, what can this team deal with if they keep finding ways despite losing so many key players? Yeah, absolutely. we got to get into uh, some of the receivers that made big plays. You mentioned special teams earlier. Uh, that was probably their biggest uh, biggest disaster uh, on special teams that they've had in uh, in a couple of years since they really kind of solidified uh, those uh, those groups, uh, getting some of that, getting some of the defensive stuff. Uh, but right there is where I want to bring in a special guest that we've got with us. Jenny Carlson is uh, is, is chiming in to uh, to join us here on the Cowboy Chronicles. I don't. Jenny, I, I didn't know, know you, I was uh, going to be a special guest. That's all exciting and stuff. <laughs> hey, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jenny, I know that you uh, you focused a lot on on the defense in uh, in what you wrote. So I'm curious. I haven't had a chance to actually read it yet. So I apologize for that. <laughs> no, it's all right. But um, but, but what was the, what was the key to the defensive turnaround from the first half to the second half? Do you think? Yeah, uh, Mike Gundy hit on this in his post game comments, and then I dove into it a little bit deeper with Derek Mason, defensive coordinator, and several players. But Basically, in the first half, they felt like they had the right schemes, the right calls, but they didn't execute them very well, especially with uh, Texas run game. I mean, obviously, Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson have a big role in that. They're so darn good. They can uh, make, you know, bad plays good all on their own. But then some of the run pass option stuff, I think, was confusing the Cowboys. You could see it a couple different times with guys pointing and, you know, not getting where they needed to be. So they felt like they had things schemed right, but they just didn't execute well. And so halftime, they uh, they gave the, the assistants extra time. Mike Gundy did, uh, said basically, hey, I'm not going to address the team. You guys take this time to go through things with your units. And for that defense, that meant the coaches got together. They talked about the few things that they wanted to discuss with their guys. And then they went out and did it. And with younger guys, especially in the you know linebacker secondary group, having those sorts of instructions in a more calm and uh, you know sort of sequestered area instead of the sideline tends to sink in a little bit more. And we saw it in the second half; those guys were lights out. Last ten possessions Texas had after they went up two scores, they got a single field goal. Just unbelievable stuff by the Oklahoma State defense today. It really was, and. The the run game was a huge source of big plays for for Texas in the first half, and the core of the adjustments was trying to stop some some of the inside run game, and they really contained it much better in the second half. I uh, I still felt like Texas got away from it more than they probably should have, but it wasn't as productive as it had been. It wasn't they weren't gashing the Cowboys the way that they had been in the first half uh, because, uh, you know, Barry Trammell made the, uh, uh, you know, the comparison to uh, the, the, it was baseball for them. They were, uh, they were either striking out or hitting home runs. So that's, uh, that's how it was going for the, uh, for the Texas offense in that first half. They were hitting a lot of big plays, yeah. uh, but outside of that, not necessarily doing a bunch. Um, yeah. And Hey, Scotty, I thought it was interesting. Derek Mason made the comment that, you know, obviously Quinn Ewers has had moments when he's been spectacular. The the performance he put in against Alabama before he got hurt was obviously, you know, eye-opening for a lot of people. 
But, you know, Mason kind of hinted at the fact that, hey, this guy is still a first-year starter. He's still a young guy. And so if you can sort of force his hand and he has to make plays, I think it that was what they would – I mean, and with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, I would take my chances with when you were throwing the ball too. And he threw it and he misfired a lot. And I think that played right into the Cowboys' hands. Yeah, it was uh, it was exactly what the defense needed to uh, to get them a little bit of momentum. They were able to get some more pressure in the second half, which I thought was was important, and and keep him a little bit off balance. They sacked him for the first time uh, that he's been sacked since the season opener, uh, which is a uh, a really big deal. So uh, a lot of important developments over the course of the second half for that defense that uh, that I thought were pretty impressive. Um, you know, this is. Uh, there were, uh, there were moments two weeks ago against Texas Tech where it sort of felt like, like things were a little bit shaky for, uh, for the defense in particular. Uh, tonight felt worse than that. If you, were, uh, if you were watching that first half, it felt like they weren't going to be able to, uh, to contain the big plays and they were, uh, there was a chance that they were going to get smoked. And Mike Gundy sort of joked about that, how he felt like he could have been 49-29 to 29 at some point. Appreciate the guy gunning it right as he drives past me and my microphone here. Uh, anyway, um, so really, uh, really impressed with the job that Derek Mason did to get the defense in position to make the plays that they had to make in the in the second half. And um, their ability to, to respond to some of their slow starts has been a, uh, a really impressive thing over the course of, of the season. The, now, the fun thing about the uh, adjustment, the fun thing with the adjustment with Sione on C basically said it was like – just something really minor that they just kind of, you know, tweaked like a technique on the front and it made such a difference. Yeah. He said, he was like, Hey, I can't believe how small this adjustment was and how much of a difference it made. And then he got real technical, he got fun. real technical with me. And so I'm not going to pretend to try to, I'm not going to try to pretend to repeat that and understand what I'm talking <laughs> about, but he got, you know, it sounded really simple the way he described it. And so um, that made all the difference in the world. Very interesting stuff. Uh, Jacob, you, uh, you mentioned injuries earlier. Obviously, Braden Johnson and Jaden Bray, who would have been the starter in place of Braden Johnson, were both out from the start. Stephon Johnson Jr. emerges as, uh, as the next playmaker. Um, we knew this Oklahoma State receiving core was deep, but to see a true freshman who's only been on campus since June come in and become this type of playmaker this early in his freshman season. Uh, I mean, that was, that was wild. This was, he was a big get when they, when they landed him back in February, but you never envisioned a true freshman having this type of opportunity in this stage to, to go and and do what he did really. uh, I mean, a lot of receivers made a lot of big plays, but Stephon Johnson Jr., I think, was I, I, was the the brightest of the shining stars in the receiver group. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he made hard catches look easy somehow. Um, there were times that he caught a pass in traffic, and I thought, how in the world is he catching this football right now? Right. And he had he had one that they lost on a challenge um, that uh, you know looked pretty close to a catch to me. Absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Des Bryant called it a catch. <laughs> um, but uh, you know he, he had that one, and I mean that's just such an athletic, heads up play for a true freshman to be able to make. That I I think this kid's going to be a star. I just really do. Um, 
And he's a guy that you kind of forget about in this recruiting class that they had because Talon right. Shetron got all the headlines as the receiver in this class. And, well, and, and Braylon really Presley, too, for that matter. And, yeah, and Braylon Presley, yeah. And I think they're all really good, but for some reason, somehow, Stephon Johnson Jr. is emerging as maybe the best player out of that class receiving-wise. And the best nickname, Boogie. That, uh, Boogie. Uh, I, knew it was a, uh, I knew he had it on Twitter, but you never know how serious a Twitter nickname really is until you start talking to people and everybody refers to him as Boogie. So that's, uh, that's a, a serious nickname. Um, Where I we already got the headline when we were when, you know in the future Boogie Nights, <laughs> Boogie's Night. It was uh, it was Boogie's Night. At four receivers though, over sixty yards. John Paul Richardson. It's it's so easy to sometimes forget about him, but that dude makes a play at least once a week and sometimes more. He had some some third down catches. Uh, one in particular in the in the would have been the fourth quarter. That was huge. That uh, that kind of kickstarted that drive. That dude just keeps making plays. He is becoming a hugely important piece of this offense at that slot receiver position. I and let's not forget Bryson Green, guys. Right? Three minutes to go. He catches that ball in traffic and then runs away from about three Texas defenders. They, I, you know what? The receiver group I thought was. I had talent coming into the season, but I didn't know how long it would take to see it consistently. And I think today we, we got an idea. Hey, they're missing two really good receivers um, out with injury, and yet they had some big-time money catches by this group. I think that speaks to just the talent that they have in that group right now. And, and Bryson Green cheated a little bit. Not going to lie, he saw himself on the video board, apparently, <laughs> after he made the catch and realized there was nobody behind his defender. And so somehow he, in the moment, saw himself and said, "I get past this guy, I'm gone." And it worked. He got he got through it. That was he was he was pretty darn close to locked up in that situation with uh, with one guy on him, uh, both arms wrapped around him, and two more guys in pursuit. And he spins out of the tackle and uh, and runs past the other two dudes, which was pretty impressive. Uh, Jaden Nixon, I know Jacob, you got to talk to 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 Nixon about his uh, his wild 51 yard run, uh, but he was a spark. Uh, I thought not only with that play, which was huge at the moment when he lost his shoe halfway through a 51-yard run to set up a touchdown eventually, uh, but just uh, just overall with Dominic Richardson being out and um, you know to uh, to to provide a spark in the run game. You know, Mike Gundy said uh, on Monday that they wanted to get other guys involved and they were forced to with the with the injury, uh, but Nixon I thought was a really important piece tonight. Yeah, you know, he he was pretty open that, you know, I he needed this game, but he talked about he, he talked about he's lost his shoe before running but never won in that fashion where he's kicked it forward and he could see it go off and, and do all those things and he said I just he said, you know, I, I was taught to not stop and I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna keep going and keep going and, and I mean, he dragged those guys. He went I, I, I looked at the tape and it looked about twenty four yards without a shoe on the play total. And then 19 of those or so were with multiple defenders on his back. Yeah. And so one to two defenders on his back without a shoe. I, I, it's, it's one of the craziest things you're going to see. It's wild. But it shows, it shows how electric Jaden Nixon can be in this offense and the change of pace he can be for, for Dominic. If Don, when Dominic's healthy, you've got the power guy and you got the speed guy. 
And then Ollie Gordon got some more carries tonight. He looked good, I thought, running the ball. Um, you know, maybe these running backs are going to start developing like Mike Hopes, um, and we're going to see more and more help right. for Dominic. Um, but I think you get Nixon going, and this game, the, the offense can change with Nixon going like he is. Right. His his elusiveness, I think, brings something that Richardson doesn't have right now. And obviously, they need to, they need to block better. They need to open up better holes. Uh, but you know, you're still you, you still need to get healthy. They were without Preston Wilson again at center. Hunter Woodard goes out, so you got uh, you got Queso Brooks playing right guard, uh, which he, he you know hasn't played here at Oklahoma State. Maybe he did it at Bandy, but he was always playing right tackle, left tackle, uh, you know, uh, prior to, to tonight. So they're obviously dealing with some stuff up front, is what I'm getting at, and they've got to, they've got to improve the run game. They're not going to be able to go throw the ball 57 times a game every week, uh, though Casey Dunn certainly isn't afraid to, to do that. But it's, uh, it's important that they, they figure something out in the run game. The special teams, we, uh, we should touch on that really quickly here before we uh, wrap things up as we're getting to the car. But um, haven't seen a night from the special teams with, with really big miscues, a blocked punt. Um, you know, I, uh, the, the Brennan Presley issue, I didn't think the ball hit Brennan Presley on the punt, no, I still don't uh, but think it hit him. goes, goes down as a muff. Uh, Tanner Brown missed a field goal for the first time, uh, since, uh, since January. Um, that seemed like there were other things that I'm not, not I mean, they catching up with they right now, but cover as well. right no, the coverage was, was pretty weak. That, so that's a big issue. Yeah, and they've been really solid on a lot of that stuff this season. So it's interesting to see it go uh, go south so much and 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 be that impactful in the game. But they, uh, for the most part, got it cleaned up pretty well in the second half, sort of like everything else. All right, um, does that bring us to uh, to the most important thing? I forgot. I, I, I assume I think it does. So yes, I think so. Um... I've got right. one right on my mind. We mentioned Jason Taylor getting hurt, but we did not right, talk about right. that. First of all, Jason had two mm-hmm. more picks against Texas. You don't forget his pick six last year that changed that game. That's out. right. And now he had two interceptions tonight. The last one, though, he got hurt. Um, and after the game, Mike uh, Gunny did not have an update on him, but his uh, Jason's mom did post on Facebook a video showing him walking with crutches, both feet walking, uses crutches more of kind of support looked like, and uh, said Jason has a hyperextended knee. So I guess we'll see how he progresses. Um, but it could be a big loss for OSU if he has to miss some significant amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hyperextended, probably a better early uh, diagnosis than what it seemed like it could have been. Yeah. So we'll see what the, uh, the actual uh, issue is with him getting back. But that's not as scary as what it appeared to be when he was down for a while, then had to be helped off the field by a couple of trainers. So, uh, Jenny, you want to uh, chime in on anything that, uh, that I forgot? Well, I, I have to admit, because I joined you late and uh, I lost you there for a minute a second <laughs> ago, um, this might have been mentioned, but I thought it was impressive what the defensive line did today, um, yep. especially after last week, uh, you know, having struggles. And then this week, you know, no Brand- Brennan Evers. We saw him announce what he announced uh, early in the week, uh, you know, a shoulder situation that's going to 
require surgery. Then Brock Martin ends up being out today, both of them on the sideline, but not available. So the fact that they're down two guys that are pretty darn important to that defensive line and they played better today, I thought was huge. Um, and I, I thought today was one of those games that looked reminiscent of old Trace Ford. He was really given the Texas defensive line or Texas offensive line fits. And so obviously the more depth they can have, the better. I'm sure they'd want to have Brock Martin back in a heartbeat. But the fact that they were able to get the production they got, thought it was a great, great step for that defensive line today. Yeah, they got some important playing time from some guys that, uh, you know, Colin Clay had I, I, was it five tackles, I believe. Uh, really solid day for him. He's going to be a guy that sees a real uptick with Evers out uh, in terms of, of snap counts. So, um, you know, Xavier Ross was out there quite a bit. A lot of guys that are going to be more important in this, uh, in this defense now because of, uh, of Evers being out. Tyler Lacey is probably going to play inside more frequently. We saw him do that quite a bit. So a lot of stuff that they're, uh, that they're dealing with. But uh, to wrap it up, the most important thing that I forgot for me, 14 penalties to zero. How, about, how ah. crazy is that stat? Texas penalized That's 14 insane. times. OSU did not have a penalty enforced against them tonight. Really and guys, there, were, there, were, there, wasn't, there wasn't anything that was egregious amiss either. Like the, I think there no. might have been a holding penalty or two. That, but that's any game. I, 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 you're right, Scott. To me, that was, a, that was a huge, huge factor. Yeah, Texas was obviously struggling with, uh, with those. I mean, some of the penalties were a big part of what kept Oklahoma State in this game mm-hmm. in the first half when they, they probably shouldn't have been, uh, you know, they certainly shouldn't have been within a touchdown at halftime, but probably shouldn't have been within two or three touchdowns with the way it felt. So really important that, uh, that Oklahoma State remain disciplined in a uh, very difficult environment. It's, it's easy when it feels like everything's going against you to uh, to to make those type of mistakes, and that was a, a a huge revelation in terms of what Oklahoma State was able to do to get things going back in their direction. All right, I believe that uh, that does it. Unless uh, y'all got anything else, I'm good. That's 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 a wrap for me. All right, well uh, we'll shut it down with that. Thanks to everybody for listening, and remember we'll be back over at Stone Cloud Brewing Company, nine seventeen South Husband, on Tuesday night for our midweek podcast. And YouTube video, come out, hang out with us, have a beer. It's a great place, great time. But uh, thank you to everyone for joining us on the Cowboy Chronicles.